Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Food bloggers, don't forget to check out the food blogging forum style community that we started over at forum.eatblogtalk.com. Finally, there's one place that we can all convene and talk and that isn't scattered all over Facebook. Here are the things that I am loving about it. It is free. It also allows for categorized discussions on all food blogging topics And there's a category for sharing successes, aka self-promotion. So no more holding back about discussing your big wins and things that you're promoting. Also, everything is in one single spot. So no hopping around from group to group. And there's an amazing opportunity to network and really get to know your fellow food bloggers in a single place. So come join the discussions that are going on over at forum.eatblogtalk.com. And I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. Don't forget forum.eatblogtalk.com. Okay, food bloggers, have you heard of Flowdesk, the new big email marketing rage? This is an amazing new option for managing your email subscriber list. It is super easy to use and it comes with gorgeous, intuitive drag and drop templates. And Flowdesk does not charge based on number of subscribers. So your monthly rate will stay the same from month to month. Everyone pays $38 a month or use my affiliate link to get 50% off and pay only $19 a month. You guys, this is a fraction of the price of other email service providers, and you'll be blown away by the beautiful and intuitive templates waiting for you inside. Visit eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources to grab your link. Flowdesk, the stunning new option for email marketing. Hello, food bloggers. Welcome to the Eat Blog Talk podcast made for you, food bloggers who are seeking value for your blogs and for your lives. In today's episode, I will be talking to Liz Berg from That Skinny Chick Can Bake, and we will be discussing improving SEO on a well-established blog. Liz's love for baking began in her childhood kitchen. Her mom encouraged her creativity with art, music, and cooking. And she married a chocoholic, and together they had three children who also love sweets. Liz started her blog in 2010 to chronicle her baking journey. Hey, Liz, I'm super excited to dive into SEO strategies for us long timers. Um, but before we do that, give us a quick fun fact about yourself. I love to meet up with friends. So just about a month ago, I uh, was with nine high school friends and we went to Yosemite and climbed Half Dome, which was a bucket list item for one of my classmates. So we all said, okay, sure, we'll do that. And then I learned about how there are lots of deaths on the final ascent. So, but mostly now, now that I've done it, it, it was not that that was not the toughest part of the hike. It was the 12, 14 mile hike and 5,000 foot elevation and not being in, you know, my best shape of my life, but it, it was fun. And, and we did it. And actually most people who have died have been there. The last ascent is 
I don't know if it's 600 feet on this granite face. And if the weather is bad, if it's raining, it's extremely slippery and people have slipped and fallen. There are actually cables that you pull yourself up on on both sides. And so it is it is a little bit tough. But after being so exhausted from walking the majority of the hike, I, it was nice, a nice break to just be using my arms instead of my my legs. And it really was an exhilarating feeling to be up at the top and view the whole valley and really have accomplished something pretty cool. That's so cool. And how cool that you guys all kind of backed your friend's dream and supported her and went along with her, even though maybe it wasn't the most comfortable thing to do, going out of your comfort zone a little bit. And yeah, you always do hear about the deaths, right? You hear about the bad things. And then Afterwards, you're like, yeah, maybe those people were taking unnecessary risks anyway. And that's exactly what what my friends who lives in the area said. Uh, you know, most of those times it was bad weather or somebody did something stupid. So, you know, it wasn't as treacherous as I thought. So my husband and I are skydivers and everyone thinks that skydiving is so I mean, it is a dangerous sport, but you hear about all of the really, really bad things on the news. But what people don't hear is that the people who die and get hurt skydiving are the ones that take unnecessary risks and who do really stupid things most of the time. Every once in a while, there's like that freak accident that, you know, they weren't doing anything wrong. But most of the time, it's just people are being stupid. And you don't hear about that. You just hear like, oh, there was another skydiving death. So Right, like 0.1% of the people or 0.001 have that bad situation. Totally, exactly. Well, very cool to learn that about you. You're an adventurer, so I love that. Thank you for sharing that. But you're here today to talk about improving SEO on a well-established blog. We have a lot in common. We both started blogging at the same time in 2010, back when food buzz was a thing. And we both also have an intense love for sweets and baking. And we both share the same problem of having a ton of content that needs tweaking because it has been around on our blogs for so long. And for all of these reasons, I'm super excited to chat with you today. So let's dig into this, Liz. There have been so many changes in recent years relating to SEO and how the user interacts with our food blogs. So as food bloggers, we need to adapt to these changes if we want our blogs to stay relevant. So speaking to the longer time bloggers who are listening, what are some of those first things that we should address on our blogs? Well, I think we need to know which posts are doing really well and which posts are on the cusp of doing well. So in that case, you do need to kind of do an audit of your site and Google Analytics is a really good way to to do that. Okay, so diving into Google Analytics for the first time, as you know, can be like really overwhelming. So what are some of those first things? Like if someone goes in there and... I mean, it's very technical. Obviously, was not written by or was not designed by a um, creative person. So, do you have any advice about like what to look for within Google Analytics? I, I agree with you a hundred percent because when I've had some experts help me, then they're clicking through, finding all kinds of things that I had no idea you could do on Google Analytics. So it's. Um, it would be nice if you knew somebody who was really good at that and could, could help you through. And you and I have talked about finding posts that aren't ranking on the first page of Google. Because if, if 
um, one of your recipes is on the first page of Google, you really don't need to do anything about it. You just want to, you know, reap the benefits of that because most people are clicking on the ones on the first page, especially if it's ranking one, two, or three. But if it's on the second page, you want to try to improve it just enough to bring it to the first page. So actually somebody will find it when they're doing a search. So on Google Analytics, and I think you know this technique too, go to your uh, your page and find out uh, which sites are, which posts are ranked 11 through 20. And those ones are the first ones that you should start working on. So in order to find that secondary dimension of average position is what you want to do. You want to search for the average position 11 through 20 or whatever you're looking for. And Liz and I decided we're just going to include that in her show notes because it's a little bit tricky to talk through without visuals. So look for that there. Uh, So moving kind of along, Liz, besides uh, looking for that kind of list of 11 through 20 positions in Google Analytics, is there anything else that you use it for to kind of sort through your old content? Um, That's my my main thing right now is to just work on those, what's called low-hanging fruit. Then I'll probably reevaluate the same same thing and find if there's anything else you know that besides maybe the first 10 or 20 that that need to be updated um, and just keep going deeper and deeper so yeah right so you start there so let's say you find a bunch of just that low-hanging fruit like you called it what are some things that we do to comb through them one thing I've been doing is looking at other people's posts on a similar topic and see what they cover that I don't cover. So um, I, I haven't covered. So I can use uh, other other bloggers who are doing it better to be inspired by, by them. So seeing what keywords they use, what information they provide, maybe what I could provide that they are not providing, things like that. So you, you do need to look at other sites to see what they're doing and also doing keyword research. That's a big thing. I used to just kind of wing it. And then, uh, you know, sometimes you're lucky, sometimes you're not, but uh, just looking for uh, keywords that are not, uh, for example, chocolate chip cookies, you know, you might, there's zillions of searches for chocolate chip cookies and my blog is not going to come up on page one for chocolate chip cookies because that's, uh, uh, get so many searches and so many people have chocolate chip cookie recipes. So you have to find keywords that aren't quite so competitive and use those to um, help make your site uh, something that would be searchable on Google that someone else, someone might uh, look for, you know, a chocolate chip cookie without nuts, a chocolate chip cookie with white chocolate or wh- whatever, but use um, use uh, those keyword helping um, tools you know, even just Googling it yourself and see see what comes up that's um, variations on your um, your topic. So taking something really general and generic like chocolate chip cookies, first of all, seeing maybe what sets it apart from other chocolate chip cookies. If you use like a secret ingredient, if you use, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, white chocolate chips or something a little bit unique. And then also using your favorite keyword research tool whatever that might be, because I know all of us have our own favorites, paid or free, and just seeing what um, 
you know, what comes up for like high volume, but not something so high volume that you're going to get lost in the mix because something like chocolate chip cookies, you can easily get drowned out if you don't set yourself apart a little bit. Um, so I, I think that was really great advice. And then I was just going to back up a little bit. So let's do an example. Like you have, let's say, since you brought up chocolate chip cookies, you have a chocolate chip cookie recipe that you really believe in and you think it's awesome and you want to make sure it gets seen in Google a little bit higher than it is. So the first thing you would do is you would go and search that on Google, chocolate chip cookie recipes maybe, and see what's ranking for the first three or five posts. And then you would click into each of those posts and just read them and see what they're doing and compare. And then uh, maybe take things that they're doing that you're not doing and not copy them, but maybe mimic like, oh, they they included something about what kinds of baking sheets they're using or, you know, like different aspects of the baking process. So you would kind of put those into your posts. And then number two, you would focus on keywords and did just what we talked about. So what would be step three? Well, then once you have your keywords, you want to make sure they're, um, they're mentioned not too much in your post and, and more than one keyword. You'll want to put, you know, three or four different keywords in your post and then also have them in your images and that, that will help and, and get, get, try to get all those different keywords in your images. Um, so you're talking alt tags, right? Or yes. Yeah. Okay. So no keyword stuffing that used to be a big thing. And now it's like a big no, no. Um, and you actually have to be really careful because I do this all the time. I keyword stuff and I don't even know it just because I'm talking about a topic. So of course I write that word or words or phrases a lot. And then I realize that I've maybe overused them. So it's something you have to be on high alert for, like just <laughs> keep an eye on the amount of words. Like if you're, if you're doing a mashed potato recipe, you have to be careful about how many times you say mashed potatoes and maybe say like change it up a little bit, like uh, side dish, you know, like call it different things because you want to be careful about that. And then as far as adding alt tags, this is something I just recently started doing. I know that everyone else has been doing it for ages. I'm a little bit behind, but it is a really powerful little thing that you can do just to give your post a little boost, I think. So that's a really great one too. What else do you have for us? All right. And just make sure you have your keyword in your title um, in, and do some H2s and H3s, which are different headings, do variations, you know, work, work them into your, um, your headings. And like, again, we talked about not the exact same keywords, but variations of the keyword. Um, then uh, let's see what, what else, I guess um, I also make sure I have some internal links in my post of similar, like for chocolate chip cookies, I might have all these different brown butter, chocolate chip cookies, white chocolate chip cookies, things that if someone's searching for a chocolate chip cookie, they might not like this exact one, but when they see, okay, she has some other ones, let me click through. And that keeps people on your, your site too. So you want to have some interesting options for them to check and, out. And helpful too. Like if, if you have something that is involved in the process of making the chocolate chip cookies that you think would be helpful, then include that. I think that's a really 
valuable tool, actually. Like if you see a recipe and you think, oh, there's a process that could go into this or a sauce that could go on it or something else that could provide value to the post, that's another idea for a a post that you can interlink. So there's a lot of opportunity there if if you start looking at your post in that way. So yeah, and interlinking is very powerful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I also like to, I've been starting to do tips for making this, which kind of covers the frequently asked questions like, uh, how do you store those cookies? Can you freeze the cookies? Um, you know, things like that. How do you make them, you know, how how do you make them round instead of, because I have this trick about when they come out, cookies come out of the oven, I take my spatula and tap them around the perimeter while they're hot. If they So if they're kind of looking like an amoeba, to make them round. And, and, you know, if somebody really wants to impress somebody with perfect cookies, you know, that I use a cookie scoop, but that doesn't guarantee that they are going to come out, you know, perfectly round, like from a bakery, but you could, you can do, you can easily do that yourself. So I throw that into quite a few of my cookie posts. for Yeah. Um, yeah. Great but, tips like that are things that people don't even know that they're looking for that information, but they come to your site and they're like, Oh, that's great. So I love that you add like little extra thing, little extra tips. Yeah. Yeah. What else do you have? Um, Then you need to make sure you have a pinnable image. So, you know, a lot of times you'll see somebody's site that has all horizontal images, but Pinterest likes longer pins, vertical pins. So just make sure that you have a, a, a photo that is good for pinning. Sometimes you put a little text on it to help, you know, so when someone's looking through Pinterest, they know exactly what what kind of cookie it is and also optimize those with your keywords. Mm. Yeah, that's great, too, because you don't always think about that. But the Pinterest side of it is super valuable for us food bloggers. So something to keep in mind. And then, Liz, you do have a checklist that you run through. I know we've talked about this. Is there any way we could share that on your show notes page as well? Oh, sure. Please do. Yeah. And I think that it's important for all of us really to have, you know, our own individualized checklist that we go through every time we make a post to make sure we're including all of this stuff. I just wanted to mention one thing about the interlinking before I forget. Somebody recommended every time you write a new post or publish a new post, to take that link and add it to five other posts. And I thought that was such a good, oh, I think it was Sarah from Sustainable Cooks. I thought that was such an amazing idea because I th- I always think to use my older posts to link, you know, to add as links in my newer posts, but I never think to do it the other way around. So I wanted to mention that if nobody's heard that episode, just that's a really great interlinking tip. Oh, that's a great idea. And I know if anyone has a Yoast plugin, they give you, orphaned posts, which means they have not been linked. If you oh. go to Yoast and find your orphaned posts, um, then those are also good ones to pull from too. Yeah, that's a great one too. Do you have anything else to add that is just something that you feel like we really need to talk about as far as like going through your post to polish it up? This is just up at the bottom of my notes is to make your post longer than 300 words and aim for 800. And I am the uh, known for brevity, so I, I post with not very much content at all, and and some of those I'm just uh, no indexing. So until I can work work on them, which makes if you know index a post, it helps. Google does not scan that when they do. They can, like for someone like uh, like us who has a whole bunch of content, Google can't search 
can't analyze that, the whole blog, every time it runs a search on your site. And uh, so there's lots of little posts that it might be wasting time on. And you want that you want them to see your updated good posts, but there might be something that has a hundred hundred words on it that was an early post with a bad picture on it. And it's a great recipe, but you want to just work on it later. And that's when you can know index and have less less content for Google to have to search through. And that kind of brings me to how do we organize all of this content? Because I have almost a thousand recipes. I think you have a little bit more than that. And that's a a lot of content. And like you said, every time Google does a crawl on our sites, they can't do absolutely everything. So we want to make sure that they're seeing our great stuff. And unfortunately, you and I have stuff in our archives that are not necessarily polished and not looking the greatest and have like 50 words. I used to do that where I'd be like, this is my favorite sandwich and here you go. And that was it. And now I look back and I'm like, oh my goodness, that was terrible. But that's what we did back then. So as far as like keeping track of all of that, what do you recommend and what is your process? Well, I have, I belong to a, um, a group that we posted every Friday, a recipe from a cookbook. And we weren't supposed to, because of publication, the publisher's wishes were not to share the recipe. So I had a hashtag with this. And sometimes I would, if, if I find the recipe online, I could link to it, but I did not post a recipe. So I go through that and I've Googled or looked uh, or searched on my site with that hashtag and found all those posts. And um, some of them I've del- just gotten rid of if they were never pinned or, you know, I've never interlinked them or anything, uh, done any internal links to it. I have just put those in the trash, but then other ones I have no index thinking I would like to go back and remake it and rewrite it at some point. And then the good stuff you obviously keep and then maybe cycle into your current editorial calendar. That's kind of the process I've been doing is just like if if it's a good recipe and I really believed in it back then, then it's probably still good today. So I'll redo it and see if it looks great. And if it does, then I'll put it back into the rotation with updated photos. But I like that you're going through and deleting old stuff that's just kind of garbage to you. I think that's a really great first step for people who have a really large archive of content because if you start looking there is a lot (laughs) in the in the archives that probably is not worth google's crawling yes and then i I also make sure and this is another trick using the yoast plugin it helps you when you throw something in the trash to put the correct code in it so that google does not are you talking about the no the no index. The no index, yes. Yeah. That that um, will tell you. Do you want it? Do you want? Do you want it, Google to see this or not? And if right, yeah, and some, or do you want to redirect it to a similar post sure, in case somebody? Sure. And sometimes, if you do have two that are pretty much this very similar recipes, you can do do that. Or if you've done the thing that sometimes I think I did way back then, is pretty much is do the same, put the exact same recipe on the blog again, just. A more recent post and I you know at that time yeah. I didn't realize that was not, not so smart to yeah do. <laughs> I know we did a lot of things back in the day that like oh I probably should not have done that so as far as 
keeping all of this organized, I personally have a spreadsheet. It's just one spreadsheet and it has every single post that I've ever written starting like the very bottom is my first post and the very top is my most recent post. And then I go, that's kind of the way I comb through them. I go through and color code each uh, recipe. Like green is active and up to SEO standards. And then you know, all the way down to kind of the, like this really dark gray <laughs> has died. Those posts have died and fell off the face of the earth. So I I love that process for myself, but I know that everybody has a different process. But whatever it is, I do recommend if you have a large bank of content sitting in your archives to do something to kind of like to organize all of that because otherwise it's just like this cluttered, gob of information sitting in your head. I just feel like kind of decluttering that is super helpful and just feeling more organized. Um, what do you use, Liz, that kind of helps you organize all of your content? Oh, not much. I think I'm going to be doing the spreadsheet after we get off this call. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah, it's really helpful. And before I did that, I just felt like I, it was just so confusing. Like, oh my gosh, I know I have this. And oh, that's right. There was that post. So it just, and it took me a while to get it all down on the spreadsheet, but I just literally started from day one and logged it, just copy, paste, copy, paste, title, date until I had it done. And it was such a relief for me just to be able to go through and look at it. And me and my VA both refer to it every single day because we're constantly combing through old things and find a strategy that works and run with it. I think without that, you're kind of feeling lost. At least I was. No, I go down the rabbit hole. You know, you find another post mm. when you're linking and like, oh, that one could use updating and that one could, you know, so. Yeah. It, and um, it might, might not even be worthwhile. Yeah. You're exactly. like, oh, I had frosting linking to this one, but maybe that frosting never got looked at. So you, yeah, like organizing it allows you to kind of label everything too. So, okay, we have gone over a really great checklist of what to go through, how to organize, kind of focusing on deleting, no indexing, keeping, republishing. So there really is a lot to think about as you go through your older stuff. Something we didn't touch on earlier was affiliate links, part of your process, adding affiliate links to content as you comb through it. I have somebody who's work, working on that. She's been going through my, my old posts for years and adding a couple Google, Amazon links to each post. So that's kind of, I let her do whatever she wants to do. That was the, one of the jobs I gave her to do. So that was a, a big help for me. Yeah, just something else to keep in mind as you make that checklist for... I don't know what you want to call it, revamping, <laughs> dusting off all of the dust that's been sitting there forever. So something else to keep in mind is photos. So what if you see an older post that the recipe is great, the maybe just needs a little bit of tweaking on the copy, but the photos need to be redone. Do you ever do anything like that or do you just do like all or nothing? Oh no, I do. I, that's what, that's mainly what I'm doing now. I, I uh, rare, rarely have a new post anymore. I go back to old ones and just, you know, if it's a dinner recipe, that's what's for dinner tonight. We're going to remake that, 
that entree and I'm going to retake the photos and update the post. So I do a lot of that. There's so many didn't understand what white balance was for a number of years. So there, <laughs> there's really some bad and just getting a better camera and having better quality pictures. Yes. Now I can, um, I can really see a difference. If I'm really desperate, like if I see an older post that has potential, but I really don't have the time to do anything with it right now, like in the next couple of weeks, I will open that photo in Photoshop and just do my very best. Photoshop can do such magic and obviously, it's not like a um, permanent fix. It's more like a Band-Aid until you can get to the point where you can redo it. But it really does make a difference sometimes. Like I'm, I will look at it and be like, wow, that <laughs> looks like a new photo. So just a matter of like giving those Band-Aids when necessary until you can get to the point where you can actually redo it. So going back to keywords, do you have any recommendations as far as where to look for those great keywords? You have keyword tools that you use. I know there are free and paid versions. Uh, give us your best advice for that. I do. I just finally uh, bit the bullet and got a subscription to SEMrush. And I use that's really the best one for me if just for or keywords to find. So that's where I do most of my keyword research there. But I also go to free sites like uh, Uber Suggest is great, mm -hmm. or just Googling the title and just of your post and seeing what other people have used for, for that title. There's also um, Keywords Everywhere, which just became a paid site. So I just put in 50 bucks and I have thousands and thousands of keywords that I can use now probably is going to last me for a couple of years. So um, I thought that was worth it to check, check what um, have a few different options to do keyword research. Yeah. I think a lot of people overlook Google because it's a little bit too obvious, but there's a lot of power in just searching there. And those questions that pop up are super valuable. And you mentioned SEMrush. I too use SEMrush and it is packed with power. I mean, this tool, yes, it is fairly expensive. But once I finally bit the bullet and did it too, Liz, I just like this whole world opened up for me. And there's so much inside of it that I don't even tap into because there's so much power in there. But I don't I mean, I know that's not for everybody to invest that much money in a keyword research tool. But there is like so much more. They have this new backlinking feature now where you can test the backlinks that go from other sites to your site. I don't know if you've played with that, but oh my goodness, there's there's just so much. It's like I'll find out I'll find one more tool and just want to keep digging. That rabbit hole you talked about earlier, I go into a big rabbit hole with SEMrush. It's like I have to limit myself. But there are a lot of um, options out there. I like that you recommended Uber Suggest because that one's a newer one on my radar, but that one's really powerful. I really like Uber Suggest. I don't know if anyone else has tapped into that, but I saw that in your notes and I was like, oh, good. Yes, someone else found that. Yeah. And then uh, I had a, a friend who does really well with SEO. And a few years ago, she said she uses Pinterest too to just put things into the Pinterest search bar to see what comes up. So that would be something else you could. I haven't played with that a, a ton, but that might be another way to just see see what's similar to the keywords that you're looking for. I think that's really smart, actually, since Pinterest is such a food blogger tool, since it's so visual, it's 
very directly related to food bloggers that that's a really good idea. And I, I think I might've done that a while ago for a while, but I haven't done that lately, but that's a, that's a good thing to keep in mind as well. One thing I also just thought of, I wanted to mention as far as combing through older posts is keeping an eye on that image that pops up in Google search results. Usually what is involved in your schema recipe markup, I believe, but just seeing what pops up. And if you are searching for your own chili recipe, for example, and the image that you put in there in 2012 is popping up and it looks like a pile of vomit, then <laughs> you know that would be a good place to start because that is what people are seeing. And that really does have an effect on what people are clicking over to. If you look at the p- first page of Google for any given recipe or search results, the nice images are the ones you're going to click on, the ones that look really appealing and good. So keeping that thumbnail image in mind is a good idea too, I think. I haven't done this because I just don't have the time for it, but I always have the best intentions. I think, oh, I should like change up the, you know, just like change it up once in a while and test it just to see what does better. But yeah, that's on Some, the Someday on, we'll have on all the that list. I know. time, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know, exactly. All right. Well, we have covered a lot today. Wow. So is there anything do, that you feel we've missed, Liz, as far as combing through our old posts and keeping SEO in mind? Um, just a couple of things that you had uh, talked about earlier, but um, um, is, or when, when we had talked earlier, not, not on the podcast, but uh, checking your site speed, which is just the, you know, just really one of my, my biggest problems right now is getting my mobile site speed up. I'd hate to even look at what it is right now, but I have, um, I have someone, watching my site speed for me to see if uh, we can get it. And he improved it a little bit just by tweaking plugins and things like that and getting rid of a couple of plugins. And it, it did improve, but I'd like it to get better. So I think everyone should be aware of their site speed and see if they can figure out a way to improve it if it needs improvement. And and what I was told too is for food bloggers, ads are really our big problem. And it's it's the balance of, of course, we want ads because that helps support our blog with income. It also is is um, making our site speed slow, which Google does not like. So I heard at the at a recent conference that I went to, an SEO expert was talking about the fact that you can request from your ad network to get deferred ad loading. And I have, I don't know if I have that or not, but it's something that has been on my mind. So that is something to look into. And that just improves, I believe it improves your site speed a little bit. So that's something to keep in mind if anyone wants to look into that. Site speed, I think, is kind of a hot topic right now. I've seen it all over the Facebook groups. And I feel like everyone is struggling with it. Like, how do I get my site to be faster? And those ads really can drag it down. My site speed speed right now is horrible. So it's something that I need to focus on. Oh, well, good. We're well, in good company. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're in good company. I know. But I think that we're not alone. I think that is a across the board issue right now, especially if you rely on ad revenue for a lot of your traffic or for your ads for a lot of your revenue. So yes, definitely something to keep in mind though. Is there anything else that you wanted to add before we say goodbye, Liz? Yeah, and that other one was, which is uh, a new dilemma, was um, broken links, which I had a plugin called Broken Link Checker, I think, which which my um, host just took off because 
there it was for some reason it was not good for you to have on your site anymore i don't know what what happened with it but um it was good at bringing up my you know broken links or you know if you had http instead of https and just needed to update things on some of your your links anyway so i'm kind of looking to find there were there was was one i used way 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 back when um i'm not sure of the name of it but it was not really easy to uh, navigate. So I'm just going to kind of keep my eyes peeled. I don't know if you, you use anything yourself. I think if you use WordPress, I've heard people talking about the blog fixer is a really reputable. Um, oh yeah. I use him. So. Yeah. So that would be a good option. Yeah, yeah that is, yeah. it is something to look into because the HTTP going from that to HTTPS caused a lot of people a lot of problems because it added those it added to the chain of redirects these are all just really great things to keep in mind as you're combing through old stuff and we will try to get a comprehensive list together that we'll put on liz's show notes page and you can find that at eatblogtalk.com forward slash liz Liz, thank you so much for being here today and taking the time out of your day to share all of the information on how to comb through your old posts uh, as it relates to SEO and just like making sure everything is updated. So thanks for being here. It was great talking to you, Megan. Yes, ditto. Do you have a favorite quote or words of inspiration to impart to our fellow food bloggers today? It's been a long time uh, trying to drill it in my own mind is not to compare yourself to anybody else, but just to compare yourself to what you were a year ago and how much better or improved your blog is, what if, you know, how you've improved as a blogger and, and just keep, keep a positive attitude. I love it. Thank you. And Liz, can you tell my listeners the best place to find you online? I'm at that skinnychickenbake.com. All right. Well, thank you for being here again. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.